understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Stranded Phase Podcast. It's your girl, Jessica Hurley, and I am joined by an incredible guest today. And if you've been listening the last few weeks, I love what we're talking about and focused on because it's all around how we're designed as women, what over the years, the trauma, the experiences, what happens you know, from bad breakups to the things that people say to us to how we develop and identify ourselves and how we kind of create our worth in our head. And as I've hit 30, I've realized there are just so many circumstances, rolling circumstances that have occurred, things that have been said, people that have crushed my confidence, you know, and I'm not playing victim, but there's just so many things that contribute to who we become and how we see ourselves internally and when we look in the mirror. And so I've just been really obsessed with diving into this topic and how do we kind of begin to shift the perspective and the narrative along the way that we see ourselves inside and out. And so I'm so excited to have this guest today because we've talked for two weeks about being worthy and just kind of undeveloping, unlearning those things that we've been told. But one thing I haven't uncovered yet, or I've been excited to talk to someone about, is how we see ourselves on the outside. And so I was fortunate enough to have this incredible client that I'm working with who is just truly doing the damn thing around helping us understand that it is not about 10 pounds. It is not about waist trainers and dietary products and supplements and without dismissing a healthy lifestyle. And I I love everything this girl does. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. So without further ado, I want to introduce and welcome today's guest, the founder of The Curvy Collective, helping women understand that they are curvy and worthy at the same damn time. So (laughs) welcome, Miss Claire Hamill. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I love hearing you say the founder of the Curvy Collective. That just gave me goosebumps when you said that. That's what you are. People need this, girl. They need this. I'm so excited to be here. I can't. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful. So happy. So I'm going to ask a crazy question and everybody knows all my listeners. I'm real. We're going to pull this out from a very authentic place. So first things first, what identifies a curvy woman? Like, how do we fall into this category? Because I've always felt like I was a curvy woman. You know, there are variations of curvy women. How do I, if I'm listening, identify as a curvy woman? Oh my gosh, you're You're just really hitting me with a really hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're asking, I'm like, shit, how am I going to explain this? Okay, my first instinct is to say, it's not for me to explain. My first instinct is to say, it's how every woman sees herself. Because I think some people see curves as a good thing, and some people see curves as a bad thing. And so depending on how you look at it and what you see in the mirror, the way I describe a curvy woman is a woman that has thick thighs, Big hips, soft tummies, rolls on their back, cellulite on their ass, you know, all that all stuff. Long. <laughs> like, honestly, like one of those is going to hit 99% of the women in the world. And so that's why I feel like it's hard for me to say, this is what a curvy woman Can, looks like. Does, does chafing qualify? Because I had to explain 100%. <laughs> 100%. If you have to put powder oh, anywhere on your body, 
you I've had to explain this to Chris so many times when we go to beaches and places. I'm like, hey, we, I need a break. My legs need a break. And he'll be like, oh, your legs tired? I'm like, no, they're tired of rubbing together. 100%. I can sweat all day long, but once I start shaping, it's like, we, we have to stop. It's a problem. I have an entire rug burn between my thighs. Can we stop, please? Oh my gosh. I have a friend who just recently gained like a pretty significant amount of weight and she'd never been curvy in her life. And she came to me, she goes, Claire, listen, I have a question and it might sound kind of weird, but like, I feel like you're going to be able to answer this. She's like, when I wear shorts, like my legs rub together, like, what do I do about that? And I was like, oh, now I'm like the shaping expert. It's fine. <laughs> that girl 101. It's fine. Let me help you. <laughs> Deodorant baby powder girl. Get it yeah, together. Yeah. It was so funny. So my legs have never not touched. Like thigh gap wear, never seen one. Not once. Not once. I've never seen the toilet water when I sat down. Not once. (laughs) Not once. (laughs) My clothes never fall in the toilet. Not once. Nope. Okay, so all right, so it's it's not measurable, and it's funny. And the reason I ask this is because I've always been told. So one, I don't like the word fat because that's immeasurable as well. But I've always it's been my excuse. Every time I try on a dress or I'm at a clothing store or someone like this, this, here's a great example. Every, my homegirls will always be like, oh, I got this at Forever 21. I'm like, huh, I don't walk in, I don't walk in that store. No. And they'll be like, why? And I'm like, girl, I'm too curvy. Like they don't make yeah. pants for me. They don't make dresses for me. You know? And it's really me saying I'm too big for their clothes, but it's just a polite way of me to myself saying like, I'm too big for that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just love that you're saying the curvy collective because I feel like it's all inclusive to women everywhere. Now mm-hmm. explain to my audience why the curvy collective, why is this so important? What are you trying to do? And why does every woman on planet earth, skinny pick, tall, slim, slender, thick, mm-hmm. curvy, whatever you want to call it. Why do we all need to hear this? I think because no matter who you are, no matter what side of your body, we've always had things that when we look in the mirror, we feel ashamed of. I mean, maybe Maybe there's women out there that have never felt that in their life. My best friend the other day texted me and she was like, I feel like I need to talk to you about this because I've never had those feelings. And I was like, well, you're really lucky. And we do need to talk about that. I'm super interested in your story about that. But I feel like 99% of us have looked in the mirror starting at a young age and gone, there's something on my body that makes me less worthy. And to me, it's not about what makes you unworthy. It's about revealing those things to yourself and to other people and no longer being ashamed of them, but now being proud of those things. And when we can switch that in our mind and like when we can kind of take back the ownership of our bodies and like our self-acceptance and, and again, like it's not going to be this all of a sudden I love my body. There's a lot of days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, nope, that's a bunch of bullshit that I'm talking. Like, I, I do not, I'm not sure I believe this today. You know what I mean? That's just the reality. Like, I haven't arrived, you know? It's going to be a lifetime, lifelong thing for me. But I think that what we need is this movement that goes beyond the shape of our body and a movement that goes beyond the shape of our body being connected to the amount of our worth. And not from external validations. Like we have to be able to start with ourselves and go, you know what? Look at those thighs. Like those legs have walked all over the world for the last 36 years. Wow. Like that's amazing. That soft tummy I have, I carry a human in that stomach. I carry a human. Like that's the most miraculous thing I can think of. I feel so blessed and grateful to be able to have done that and had that experience. And my stomach will never be the same because of it. And so for me, it's just about teaching women how to reframe the words that we've said to ourselves over the years and to like take the mean girl aspect out of it 
and start loving on ourselves a little bit more beyond our size and beyond our roles and our cellulite. But also more than that, knowing that every woman has a story around this and we have to talk about it. When I started talking about it, at first, people would say, oh, you're so brave. I post a picture on Instagram and I'd be in my like two-piece bikini. And people would be like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. What I know they were saying was, oh my gosh, like this girl has a really soft tummy. She's like, for all intents and purposes, like she's a plus size girl or fat or whatever you want to call it. She's out here living her best life on the beach in a two-piece bikini. And people were calling me brave for it. And people aren't saying that to thin girls. People aren't like, oh, look at how brave you are posting another selfie in your bikini with no body fat and no cellulite. And you know what I mean? Like nobody's saying that. And that's not to shame them. I'm just saying that it's all about how we look at it. And so they used to tell me, oh my gosh, you're so brave. And now they're telling me their stories. Now they're saying, oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, I have felt like that too. Oh my gosh. You are like taking the words out of my head when you talk about owning a two-piece bikini or when you talk about intuitive eating or whatever it is. Like, I want to love my body, but also feel okay changing it. Or I want to love my body, but also feel like, you know, there's more to me. Whatever it is, when I heard them start saying that to me, that's when I was like, oh, this needs to be a movement. This needs to be a movement because we all need each other. And I think women are so used to comparing themselves to other women. And I don't think there's one person in the world that we wouldn't love and support and appreciate if we just heard their story. Like, that's all it would take. Speaking of story, because you're so right, and you and I have spoke so many times, and you even made me realize I have a story around this that I have completely, that transformed, you know, my entire life. But what, what was your story? Where were you like, okay, I'm curvy. I'm okay with it. I want other people to be okay with it. It took me a long time. To be honest, I remember I was never teased. I was always a big girl growing up, but I was never teased. Not once. I don't ever remember anybody making fun of me for it. And I don't know if that's because I, I don't know why that is. But I remember when I was like 10 or 11, I was at my best friend's house and I was having a slumber party and I didn't have clothes. So I needed to change my clothes. And so she was like, oh, well, you can just have one of my shirts. And so I was like, okay. And so I put on her shirt and I couldn't even get on. And she was like skinny mini. And I couldn't get on. And I was like, oh, well, this shirt isn't going to fit. And so then I was like, okay, I guess I better take it off. And then I couldn't get it off. I was like Chris Farley in the coat. Because 100% that was me. I will own it. I'm proud of this moment. Because that was the first moment I was like, oh, I'm a little different, I guess. But yeah, so that was the first moment I was like, oh, I look different than all of my friends. For those of that have never seen that, please go Google on YouTube, fat guy in a little coat. It's the best thing ever. It was me. I was a 10-year-old version of that. <laughs> and so 10 years old, that was the first time you were, where you were like, okay, I'm a little different. Like it was the first time you were required to look in the mirror and look at the person next to you and be like, I am not that. Yes. And I, all of a sudden, that's when I started comparing myself to my friends and to the girls around me. And I was always the biggest in the room everywhere I went. I was always the biggest in the room. And I didn't talk about it, but I thought about it every moment of my life. Every moment of my life. There was not... Seriously, not a thing that I did that I wasn't thinking about. I was an athlete, though. I was. I loved kind of proving people wrong. I loved kind of breaking the stereotype. I played through sports. I excelled at them. And I kind of just did that. Like, I thought about it all the time. And I always felt like I needed to lose weight. I went on my first diet at 12 years old. What? Uh, By you or, like, a parent? or? I remember my mom was doing Weight Watchers. And I think I just did it with her. And I don't remember if she was like, hey, come do Weight Watchers with me. Or if I said I wanted to do it. I don't remember that. But I did it. And I remember people saying between 
school year. I did it in the summer. And I remember coming back to school in like eighth grade and everybody was complimenting me on my weight loss. Oh my gosh, you look so great. So now all of a sudden I'm learning like, oh, once my body's smaller, then I start getting all this validation, right? So that's when I really started thinking about it more. So then, I mean, I don't need to go through every moment of my life here, but that was pretty much my life. I felt like forever I needed to be on a diet. I was always thinking about what I was eating. I got out of college, or I got out of high school and I wasn't going to a sports practice every day. So my workout routine kind of changed and I like stopped working out. So my body changed then. And, and I honestly, I, I, I was holding a lot of trauma in my body from just from my childhood and stuff that I don't even think I recognized until maybe in the last year of my life. Then I would say, fast forward to, my dad passed away about five years ago, and he had battled a lot of health stuff his whole life, and was a big dude, we're big Italian family, and was always a big dude. And that's when, like, the fear around health and weight started really coming into play for me. And so then I was like, well, if I'm fat, I'm obviously unhealthy. And so that's what I need to change. And so I, I lost a lot of weight. I went into this kind of clean living. I was in a network marketing company who sold diet products, weight loss products, and I lost a lot of weight. I would say pretty healthy. I mean, I was eating a lot. I wasn't doing a lot of depriving, but I was restricting myself in a lot of like food groups. And, and then I got pregnant and I have never felt so good in my life. I loved being pregnant and I got pregnant at 250 pounds. And had I walked in at 250 pounds and to any other doctor, my doctor was one of my best friends that I grew up with. But I, I know for, I, without a shadow of a doubt, if I walked in at 250 pounds and said I was pregnant, everybody would have said, this isn't going to work. You're going to have gestational diabetes, blah, blah, blah. But they ran my numbers and everything was perfect. My doctor was like, you are one of the healthiest people I've ever seen come in pregnant. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, this is a nice little like proof that Weight doesn't necessarily equal health, right? I've been extremely like I I knew a um, like a I don't know what you call these, but like a gym addicted to the gym, seven six to seven days a week, healthy, slender, like all the things. Had a heart attack, yeah, like crazy trauma, stress, body. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's going on under there, and and weight is not directly related to it. No. There's, and there's a ton of research out there about that. And there's a lot of like dietitians out there trying to get out, trying to get that word out because that is, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into that. But the biggest thing is like, there's a bunch of weight stigma around like the healthcare side of things. And like people assume that when you're overweight, that you're unhealthy and that stress can cause more issues than actually being overweight can. And so... Anyway, there's a ton of research out there about that. So for me, it was all of a sudden like, oh, I'm kind of breaking the stereotype here. Like all of a sudden, I'm this big girl who's pregnant and super healthy. And it has absolutely nothing to do with that weight on the scale, you know? So that I would say that was like the real beginning of me kind of turning it around. Because all of a sudden, I had proof that, oh, it's not just about my weight. And then from there, it was just kind of like constant work around this. And I changed who I followed on social media. And I found a lot of great body positive accounts. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, there's other people that look at their body, who, by the way, whose bodies look like mine, and they're proud of their bodies. And like, that's kind of how I feel because I've done all this stuff and I've carried all this trauma and I've loved on my baby and I have fed my baby and, you know, all these things that I can be so grateful for. And like, guess what? I'm still a badass. You know, like I'm, I'm a big girl and I'm a badass. Like that, those things, those two things are not mutually exclusive. And so my last straw was when I, when I started seeing people more and more posting before and after pictures. When they lose weight. And I remember thinking to myself, 
this, this does, does nothing, nothing for us because what that's saying is that who you were before is less worthy than who you are now. And the only thing that I see in that picture is that your body is smaller. Wow. And so the message that we're sending with these before and after pictures, the message is you're only worthy once your body is smaller. And so to me, I was like, that is bullshit. That's bullshit. We have to start changing that. I want to play devil's advocate for a minute if you don't care. Or you don't mind. <laughs> if you don't care. If you don't mind. No, because I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I imagine someone who might be super fit, obsessed with a fit lifestyle, which is also fine, listening to this and thinking, okay, I hear what you're saying, but a lot of people look at a before and after picture and think they see the hard work. They see mm-hmm. the commitment and the drive to changing a lifestyle because getting fit when being curvy or overweight is extremely difficult. You almost have to push past everything you're used to and overcommit to a different lifestyle. And so the opposing argument would could be someone watching and listening and thinking, well, that's just lazy. You're just saying that you don't want to work hard enough to have that body. But I think this is also the shift in perspective that's needed. And so what would you say to someone that's like, well, what if I just look at that picture and I'm like, man, that person committed and worked really, really hard. And that's what I'm saying congratulations about. I think my response to that would be, she worked really hard on that. And I'm really, I'm working really hard at healing my trauma. To me, the answer, the response is everybody's working on, well, that's not true. To me, the response is we should always be applauding hard work, but the hard work doesn't have to just be on your body. And that's, that's kind of what exterior is. Yeah. It's, it's getting beyond the stuff that we have felt shame or pain around in the past and now being proud of it. So listen, sis, if like, if you have lost weight and you want to shout that to this rooftops and talk about how hard you worked, I'm here to cheer you on. But I also am here to say, we have to be careful about the message behind that. The message behind that can't be, look how small my body is. The message has to be, dude, I got up every freaking morning for a year. I rode that Peloton bike for an hour and worked my ass off. And guess what? I'm going to still cheer you on for that. There's nothing, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with that. But I also think that we have to go beyond that and say, there's a lot of people doing a lot of really hard work that is not visible, that you can't see. And this is not equal. I'm lazy or. Yeah. And it's just as important. It's just as, if not more important, because I also think if you're not doing the heart and the mindset work while you're losing that weight or while you're going after whatever goal it is that you're going after, it'll nothing become a fleeting goal. Yeah, nothing is sustainable. To me, everything goes back to self-love and acceptance. If you cannot get there first, it doesn't matter what transformation you make. It doesn't matter because the transformation doesn't come from a place of self-respect and self-love. It comes from a place of something external, needing to be smaller, feeling like I'm not good enough, whatever. So tell me this, because I feel like it's a very uphill climb for this shift in perspective. And and here's why. I look on one side of it and I think of individual women, right? And our our comparison. And I actually almost want to say, and I could be wrong, that I feel like there's a, we're actually more inclusive than ever. I feel like we're more accepting of body images from that to, you know, transgender to who you love to we're as a culture, we come shifting to a, a very more inclusive state, I believe, than we've ever been before. Welcoming, empowerment, loving other people for exactly who they are, how they look, what they want to be. But then, then there's also this uphill battle on the other side of the media of, like you said, with a network marketing company that was pitching diet culture, that diet culture is the, that we also believe culturally that in order for us to be bosses and great people, we also have to be attractive externally you know, or to be respected, we have to be attractive externally, or the media just says it like, this is the only winning image of your body outside of that, you're just, you're nothing. So Mm -hmm. that uphill battle, I think is like, 
how do you, it's almost, it has to be a worldly media shift for people to understand this concept. I agree. And when I think about it, it feels overwhelming to me because it's kind of like, where do I start? Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. I mean, you know, I've talked about that. It's like there's 75 different paths we could go on here when it comes to getting the word out and building this movement. My answer to that is that it's kind of like the butterfly effect where where it has to start internally and it has to be these like little shifts. So to me, I would say the two biggest things you can start doing is changing how you talk to yourself and changing how you talk to others. So how are you talking to yourself in terms of what you see in the mirror and your worthiness and your belief in yourself? And also what is your language around your body? What is your language, well, your outward language, right? What is your language around food? What is your language around fitness? What is your language around other people's bodies? You know, like the other day we were in the store, my three and a half year old son said something, we saw a lady and, and he said, mama, she has a big body. And I said, yeah, she does kind of like mama, you know? And even that, like when he said that, I was like, Ooh, like what if she hears that originally? My first thought was, I don't want her to hear that. Like I want her to be embarrassed, but we've used a lot of this language and turned it into this like negative connotation when really like it can just be that she has a big body. It's just like she has brown eyes. Right. So it's in how we talk about bodies. It's in how we compliment each other. It's in what we start to value. And I think it's in what we consume, right? So I have completely changed my social media feed to reflect people that are not talking about losing weight or that are not pushing dietary products, right? Or that are not all one size or one shape or one color. Because I value that. I value the diversity. I value people's stories. And I can't just have a bunch of skinny white girls on my Instagram feed. If if I'm saying I value that, you know, and if I'm going to really learn and and change my perspective. So, I mean, it sounds like a lot, but I do feel like just even the exercise of like looking in the mirror and picking one thing, you know, like, can you look in the mirror and pick one thing that you like about yourself? Start there. I have posted all over my bathroom mirror with just like positive things. Because where do you say the worst things to yourself? Probably when you're looking in the mirror, right? So just things like that, just like constant affirmations that are changing the language that I'm using inside of my head, I think is where it starts. So the, I love this because it now it's the Curvy Collective's mission is to just teach women to lead by example, by loving themselves, which mm-hmm. is, is, is such a a radical concept because it works in almost every industry because it's we tell people all the time if you're tired of watching the news and if you're negative and you feel like everything around you is negative but you feel like it's too much of a an altering thing because there's so many people that are negative then you have to start with yourself you have to tell yourself positive things you have to lead by example you have to lead from a place of positivity in order to attract positivity and so i love that you guys are just helping one woman change the way she sees herself. And so I want I want to talk about the the survey you did, because I think this is incredible. And this is going to help people really understand why this movement is so important. But first, I want to talk about just identifying that you have a story. And you told me this the last time we spoke about how almost everyone has a, a story where they've either been fat shamed, they've been body shamed, there was a moment in time where something happened. And you and I laughed about it about how many people have mentioned before under 10 that they were told they were fat and ugly as a woman. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that does in a compound effect to our worth? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you and I discussed it. And then I thought I, I told you, I was like, wow, you made me realize that I even have a story that I've suppressed that has literally changed everything. Like I 
was not born wanting to date African-American men. And I didn't come out that way. Like, And when I was in fifth grade, I remember being in elementary school, going into sixth grade. And there was this boy that I was like, absolutely adored him. I was like, this is the cutest boy ever. Like my taste, I mean, obviously your taste changes over time. But my taste back then was like, if he looked like a surfer white boy with like, they used to put the gel in the front of their hair. <laughs> like, But they were like kind of tall and tan. I was like my type all day long. Who knows? Yes. Who knows that I knew what the fuck I was doing, but <laughs> that was what I was looking at. If he rode a skateboard, even better. You know, oh. and I remember... <laughs> All the boy bands. That's yes. what I'm thinking. Yes, All if you looked like you could be an NSYNC, I was there. Mm-hmm. You were mine. Yep. So I did what any fifth grader would do. I went and told my friend in hopes that my friend would tell his friend and the message would get to him because what fifth grader has the balls to go tell you to your face? Right. So I tell my friend, she tells him, nothing happens. Four or five days go by. And I remember I finally go to my friend and I'm like, hey, like what happened with this guy? And she says, well, I asked his friend and he said that you're too fat for him. And I remember being like, whoa, whoa, like, and going home that night and looking in the mirror and I was, and like, this is the real honest truth. Like you said this about you being 10 years old. I was like, like, I, I didn't know I was fat. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. I look back on pictures and I'm like, I really wasn't fat. Like I was just not skinny. Right. Curvy. I've always been a curvy girl. I've always had hips. I've always had thighs. I've always had a butt. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's my natural whatever at 10, you know, early Mm -hmm. progression. Like we, you'll talk about that in the survey, just like by fifth grade, I had it all. And I was like, whoa. And then what happens after that is I go find people that do like my curvy body which happened to not be these white surfer boys. <laughs> and they yeah. happened to be kids that lived next door to me that were not white, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and that ended up being the trajectory of who I dated from here on out. And it's mm-hmm. not an excuse, but it's like that, that changed the way I felt about my body. That is a message that has been in the back of my head forever. When, when you said to me one time on a call that like, once you're told that once, it's almost in the back of your head every day that you need to lose weight. And I can't think of a time in 30 years that it wasn't in the back of my head. Like, girl, look at you. Like I walk past a store window and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, you know, you need to lose some weight. Look at you. You need to lose some weight. What are you doing? Why are you in public like this? Look at your thighs protruding out of these shorts. What are you doing? Like it doesn't go away. And it's like, that is literally so many women have this story. And we don't even, some of us aren't even identifying it. We don't even know that it's become part of our identity, who we date, who we surround ourselves with. You talked about being the fat girl in photos, like, and, and being embarrassed to be in these photos or just all these, all these things that have become a part of our life or being, I know a lot of people that have, are very funny and that's how they steer away from being the curvy girl. Like I've that, had women tell that's me that. my life. Yeah. That was me. I was like, I'm going to be the charming, kind, and really funny person. My brother's the same way. My brother was always a big dude. My dad, I mean, my dad was an actor. And I mean, he was the most hysterical person I ever knew. And I started recognizing, oh, maybe if I put my humor first, people won't notice that I'm the fat girl. Well, like, spoiler alert, like, if they can see me, they know I'm a fat girl. So, like, <laughs> like can't avoid this one. But but you almost tell yourself, but I give them another reason to like me. They won't like me based on what they see. They'll like me based off what I can do for them. That's what I did. That was me. That was me. Let me put everything in front of me. Let me make sure everything else leads so that they're not distracted by me being a big girl. And now I'm like, if they're distracted by me being a big girl, number one, not my people. Number two, not my problem. That's them. Amen. That's their work. Not my people, not my problem. Can I clap? Mm. <laughs> so 
you you did this survey recently, which mm-hmm. included 160 women. You yeah. asked some pretty deep questions mm-hmm. and got some roaring results. I Tell did. me about one of these questions where you asked, at what age do women start to really look in the mirror and go like, I don't like what I see? So the biggest age group that showed up, 37% of women said that they first started having negative views about their body between the age of five and nine. That's the biggest chunk. And then 10 to 12 is 32%. So before the age of 12, yeah, before the age of 12, 70% of these women are saying that they had negative views about their body. And to me, this is significant because our subconscious doesn't stop. I'm going to get a little brain sciencey on you. Our subconscious doesn't stop growing until we're seven years old. So everything we learn before seven is literally stuck in there. And from then on, your subconscious takes things literally and personally. And so if you are taking that stuff on, if you're telling that stuff to yourself, especially that early on in those like formative years, those messages, I mean, that's why we still see so many issues now because those messages are stuck, like you said, right in our brain forever. And the same percentage said that they started dieting around the same age. Oh my God. 70% of women were dieting before 12. Are you kidding me? Let me make sure I'm right about that. But yeah, it's around then. Yep. So who allows this? Like we won't let our, allow our kids. I mean, we do now, but most people won't allow their kids to get phones before 12. You can't walk alone before 12. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to date before 12. You're not, Mm -hmm. you can't drink, vote or get a job, but you can diet before 12. Yeah. And what that means is there's some kind of restricting going on. There's some kind of like mental aspect to it, right? There's some kind of like, and of course the message around yourself. The other important thing to know here is that the median age for mental health diagnosis in youth is 14. So that means half the people, half the kids that are diagnosed with a mental illness are diagnosed before age 14. And I mean, I haven't done the research on this, but I would be super curious to know like, what their lives look like, right? And how many of those are girls? How many of those are boys? To me, I feel like there's got to be, there's got to be some kind of self-esteem, self-acceptance message in there, you know? Oh my God. Whoa. And so you took it a step further on this survey, which is the part I really enjoy. And you asked women what kind of what trickled this trigger? Like what were, when you first didn't love your body image, or realize like, mm, like I said, that moment I stood in the mirror and I was like, wow, I'm fat. I didn't know I was fat. What were some of the things that made you feel this way? And you got some really crazy answers. Crazy answers. So tons of people talked about like their families and not only were there, maybe their moms were dieting or their moms were, their moms didn't like their bodies or their moms talked negatively about their bodies, but they also had people in their families. A lot of people had male figures in their families that were insulting their, the size of their body. Yep. So their dad or their brothers were calling them fat and teasing them as a young kid. But a lot of people talked about like being an athlete, right? Like having to wear leotards as a gymnast or constantly being surrounded by other people that might, they might've felt like were smaller than them. Comparing themselves to friends, that was another huge one, realizing that they looked different than their friends. And then the other one that I saw a lot was kind of that general idea of like, media and representation and what they saw like who are they seeing in tv shows and in movies and in books you see the skinny white girl in literally every movie every movie 
who's the lead every time? You know, who's the one that gets the partner? Who's the one that gets the job? Who's the one that overcomes all the things? Nobody's talking about, you know, the, the plus size girl who's doing the same thing or the black girl that's doing the same thing or the Hispanic girl that's doing the same thing or the lesbian that's doing the same thing. They're only talking about skinny, straight, white girls, you know, and that came up a lot in these answers. So it was like, I just never saw, I never saw myself ever. Wow. Mm-hmm. representation is such a huge issue right now. And I think our people are finally just now realizing it. You just made me think of something else. I used to work at a, um, I used to run summer camps when I was younger, like 16 to 19. And I remember having this young girl, heavy set, young black girl, probably 10. And we were watching a movie. All I remember is Cameron Diaz was in it. And she got up and she was like, Miss Jessica, I'm going to be just like Cameron Diaz one day. And I remember the whole male staff started busting out laughing. And I was like, why are y'all laughing? And they were like, not even close. Like they were just giggling. Like she's so far from that, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I feel like that even contributes to this. It's like, because there's no representation. And then you go turn around and tell someone you're going to be like this person. That's a laughing matter. Like Mm -hmm. you're not skinny like her. You don't look like her. That's never going to be you. You're not that. And, and I was, I, I use the analogy, analogy that we, we talk, talk I'm a, as a teacher, we talk a lot about like race and equity in schools, because obviously we're dealing with so many different families and backgrounds and races and stuff within a public school. But we talk all the time about what they call windows and mirrors. And like kids, especially if they, there's two ways to look at something, whether it's a book or a story or a TV show or whatever, they can either look into a window and see somebody else in like, let's say it's a house, right? You're looking into a house. Mm-hmm. They're going to see somebody else that's not them in a house and they're going to recognize that. Or when they see a TV show, they're going to see a mirror, right? And they're going to be able to see themselves. And it's important for kids to have both windows and mirrors because they need to learn both perspectives. They need to see themselves and they need to see others. And the conversation around that for me is skinny, thin girls. And I, like I hesitate to say this because I know we all struggle with body image, but like thin girls see themselves all the time. Right. Those thin white women see themselves all the time on TV and movies and stuff. Chubby girls, women of color, lesbians don't see themselves as much. And so all of a sudden there's this message of, I don't see myself. So like, where do I belong? Right. Like all of a sudden I don't fit in, which at the root of that is, Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So what happens when people like Lizzo or, oh my gosh, who's the white comedian, blonde with the bangs? Amy. Is it Amy? Oh, Amy. Oh my God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Schumer. 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 So when they come out and they come forward, what does that feel like? Does that feel like make it better or? Because it feels like Amy Schumer had to come out and say, I'm the funniest person, you know? And then that's her comedy and that's her thing. And that's how she stood out in the market. And I absolutely understand it. And it seems like something she loves, but Mm -hmm. it's like, does that is that the answer to the problems in media is more representation Lizzo and Amy Schumer and people in movies that make people go, okay, it's totally okay for the leading role to be a chubby girl. Yeah. I mean, I think my view is that, yes, it absolutely will help. It does help. I mean, I look at Lizzo and I go, man, if I had been 12 years old and I could see Lizzo on that stage in her lingerie and not making any excuses about it, not even saying, you know, look, I'm up here, I'm a fat girl and I'm in lingerie. She's not talking about it. She's just doing it. She's just up on stage in her lingerie, doing the huge show, kicking ass. And I, in, in my mind, if I had seen that as a 12-year-old, I would have gone, oh, my God, I can do that, too. Oh, my God. Like, she looks like me. You know what I mean? And I think 
I think we don't do it justice when we, I think about this all the time, we don't do it justice when we make excuses or when we like, when we like apologize for being the fat girl that is part of the representation. I think for me, it's just, you just have to go out and be. You just have to go out and be the lead. Like there doesn't have to be a discussion around, oh, I'm fat, but look what I'm doing. It should just be, look at that badass chick up on stage doing what she's doing. Taking the body size out of the conversation. Again, it's that language piece, right? But still being able to see like, okay, there's somebody up there that looks like me. I can do it too. And all of a sudden I have a place, right? All of a sudden I'm I'm worthy of having a place in the music industry, in the movie industry, whatever it is. This is such an interesting concept because it's a little, it's like a little uncharted waters. Chris and I had this argument one time about this and it this would this is a very touchy subject as well. You know, but we talked about how there are skinny women everywhere. There are women changing their bodies in a day. So at this mm-hmm. point, if you want to look a certain way, you can go do it in a day and tomorrow you look like a completely different Coke bottle, all the body the body image you've ever desired, which makes more comparison and more issues for women. And on top of that, it becomes more competitive for women because we're naturally competitive and we feel like we need to get the man. And men are visual, period. I don't care what anybody says. Men are visual. They're stupid. Their eyes rule the world. My man will admit that to me. Like, they're visual. And so he said to me one time, I said, men really have to change the way that they look at things. And he said, women really have to change the way that they present things. And I was like, "Mm." and this caused a little argument between us. But where we ended, and I really could appreciate his concept, was he was like, I love a natural woman. I love a natural woman who loves her body, who doesn't do anything. No eyelashes. No, like, don't recreate your body. You don't need fake boobs. Like, I love it. And he was like, I just barely see it anymore. Mm. And like, it's, and he's like, and this, this fake idolized woman is like, all, all I see anymore. Like, that's what I see. And I am visual. And that's, he's like, I almost wish that women would take a stand and say like, this is who we're going to be. And either you take it or leave it because at the end of the day, your JJ rules the world. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. <laughs> I was, was going to say something a little more inappropriate, but yes, 100%. Like, and I feel like I struggle with that. Honestly, I struggle with that with my husband. I used to struggle with that with my husband because my husband is not the person in my mind physically who I thought I would end up with or who I thought I was worthy of or whatever. He's a real, he's a very thin man. He's super cut, very fit, super sexy in my mind. And I just never think I was worthy of that. And I struggled to feel number one, worthy in comparison to him. But also like, I always struggled because I thought, I don't know, like, because he's thin, what his ideal is. What's his idea of like this perfect woman? And I think that honestly, there's a lot of industries that that do us zero service as women in terms of helping men understand what the ideal, what the ideal might be. So Chris is right. Like, I feel like it's going to be on us, but it also, I would counter that and say, men, you have to start also speaking up and saying, no, show up with no makeup, no lashes, no fake boobs. We are going to be here to validate that every single day. Every single day. My husband tells me every day, not every day, but when I'll make a comment about it, or he says it pretty often, he's like, I'm just so glad that you're okay not wearing makeup every day. I'm so glad that you're okay showing up in like your sweatpants every day or your leggings or whatever. I'm like, well, I'm okay with that too, but like, I'm glad you're okay with it. You're okay with it. You don't think I'm a bum. We've been so taught. It's so hard. Like we will be going places all day and I'm like, why are you putting on makeup? And I'm like, well, I don't feel like I can show up at that place without makeup on. Like, and he's like, yes, you can like do it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. It's so hard to come out of that. Right. Like we've just been so trained. I just, I just think it's just, it's so ingrained in us. Yes, 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 yes. 
So I agree. I think there's a, I just wholeheartedly love what you're doing because there's such a shift required and it's going to start with the individual. I think men need to understand it. I think women need to understand it. And I think we need to learn to love. I I got a message yesterday after reposting your story of a woman saying that like, she's been a big girl her whole life. And she finally said last year, like, that's it. I'm going on a keto diet, went on a strict keto diet, no sugars, all these things said she got down to about 180 and realized like, Oh, I love this version of me. She thought she wanted to be 150 and lose mm-hmm. like 45 pounds. And when she got down to 180, she was like, wow, I kind of like this girl. Like I could keep this image, you know, and it's just learning to love exactly where you are. Two years after Cameron, I freaked out. I was struggling, like stressing, staying up at night about my weight loss because I went to this gym for this long period of time. And they were like, I used to before, before my son, I could hit the gym for three weeks and drop five pounds and look great. Then I hit the gym like crazy after Cameron and it was not the same journey. Yeah. And so instead of just obsessing that my body is wrong, I've learned to love like this is just the new version of you. You you gotta love her. 100%. And I think like my my other message around that is like, you can can love love your body body and also want to change it. Like Mm, you can can be both, both. you know what I mean? Like, because again, you're not just reduced to only body parts and, and it does have to just come back to, in my mind, it has to come back to how do you feel? Like is the weight that you're at something that causes you physical pain? Does it cause you not to sleep? Does it cause you all these things that make you have a hard time keeping your mental health in check? Well, then if you're ready to change that, then like, listen, I'm here for it. I'm cheering you on. You know what I mean? But like, what I'm a proponent for is that self-love and acceptance and also feeling your absolute best. Because if you can show up in the world as your best self, regardless of what size pants you wear, regardless of how many carbs you're eating a day, regardless of the last time you went to the gym, if you can show up in your life as your best self, then you're giving the gift to the world that God gave you to give. Period. Mm-hmm. You know? So... I think, I think it, it just, just comes, comes back to that, that comes back to that, that, that internal feeling. It's also, a, it's a precursor a lot of times to success for a lot of people. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a woman and like we, we need a photo shoot in order to get her on a podcast cover or, or to create some imagery around something that she's going to be marketing. And then the first thing is like, well, I want to do a photo shoot so bad, but I've been trying to lose a little bit of weight first. Mm-hmm. Like they literally don't want to do the photo shoot until they lose 10 pounds. Yeah. Like we think that there's this body image that is required for success. And I'll even flip this and advocate for beautiful skinny women as well. Not that Curvy's not beautiful, but I've been told several times in positions where I've had men tell me like, I just thought you are so intelligent. And I'm like, thank you. And they're like, oh, I just thought you were the pretty girl. Like mm-hmm. that is like, they're yes. like, I didn't, think, I didn't think a whole lot more of you than that. Well, I used to say that too. That's why I had a lot of problems with women. I say all the time, I used to BS myself and say, you know, I'm, I'm just, just like, like, I just like would, would prefer being with dudes. Like, I'm just kind of a, I'm just kind of a guy's girl. And really what I was saying on the inside, if I'm getting truthful, is I have a hard time being around women because all I do is compare myself. And that sucks. Like, that feels really shitty, you know, when I'm around other women. And and now I'm like, give me all the women because I want to see what's possible. I want to love them. I want to love them. I want to see what's possible. I want to be surrounded by women who are doing it no matter what. So I can go, look at you. Like, look what you're doing. I'm so freaking happy for you. And I'm so proud of you. And you're proof that I can do it too. And, you know, so it's, it's a very different mindset. And I think, like, there's something to be said for using that comparison game as, like, Okay, but I do, I used to get so 
stuck in that, oh, she's skinny, she must be a bitch. But really what I was saying is I'm just jealous. I really want to be skinny like her because she must have everything she wants. Let me protect myself from her. Let me just, yeah. And let me just be real honest and say, that's exactly what I thought. I remember going to college and I met this girl across the hall from me. She's this thin, beautiful, she looked like Cindy Crawford. I'll never forget it. And I was like, she's probably a bitch. And then she stopped by and she like offered us licorice. She was like, nice to meet you. I'm Erica. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. And then I was like, oh, like I was really mean to her in my head, you know? God, we are awful. Oh, we're awful. 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 <laughs> So it goes all ways, but that's why I'm saying I can't necessarily even define a curvy woman because I think this is a women's movement. I don't think this is just a curvy women's movement, you know? Own where you're at right now and be yeah. more honest with ourselves. Like, see, and we were talking and I thought about another time. I was I was in Vegas. The first time I ever went to Vegas, I went with five girls for my girlfriend's birthday. And I was always, and, that, and again, like I'm not that big, but I was the curviest person in the group. And like, I remember having the time of my life until I saw the first picture of all of us. Mm. And I was like, whoa, I make these girls look like twigs. Like I Mm -hmm. am by far the curviest person in this photo. And then Mm -hmm. from that point on, it was like, how do I put a shirt over my bathing suit? How do I, you know, like, man, people must be looking at me in the, you know, I was 23. People must be looking at me in the club or they must be looking here and like, oh, what are they doing with that fat girl? You know, like, and I remember like being reluctant to even hang out with them again because I was like, God, I do not want to be surrounded by a bunch of skinny women that make me feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine how it might have affected my thoughts or images of them that had nothing to do with them, but everything to do with my insecurities. Yes. This is such a rooted thing. Yes. And, and how, how different your relationships could be. Our relationships as women and female, women and female friendships, if we could just get over that piece you know and my opinion is other people are not thinking about you as much as you are thinking about you Woo, girl i say this all the time oh my god and it's so hard like i know your biggest hater thinks about you maybe 25 seconds like for sure nobody cares that much about your cellulite and your big thighs and if they do they care for four seconds and then they're moving on and if they happen to make a comment about it fuck you like I'm not my people, not my problem. Right. I mean, it's hard to get there. That's a lot easier said than done. But like, I think it, that's why it comes down to what you think about yourself every day, all day it has to come down to what you think about yourself because then you're not going to be worried about what other people are thinking. And wait, think about this. This is so funny. I just, this just dawned on me too. Men swear we're so indecisive because what do we do? We go to the closet and we take 45 minutes to get dressed. There's not a woman on the planet that is that indecisive that she can't put on clothes. The problem is, is we put on clothes and we don't like the way that we look in them. So we, mm-hmm. we start going through, I can't tell you how many times when I used to work a job that I would put on a shirt, I'd have an idea in my head and it would be too tight on my arms or it would make my arms look fat or it would show my belly. And I would be like, Oh my God, I have nothing to wear today. Bitch, you got a closet full of clothes. Like <laughs> You're not that indecisive. You have everything to wear. You just won't put yeah. it on because you feel some type of way. You've immediately become insecure. You've immediately questioned your body, the way you look, the way you feel, because the shirt's too tight on your arms because now you've, oh, over within a week, you've ate too many Chick-fil-A fries and your, your arms, right. you feel right. fat. Yeah. And you are in that cycle of blame. You're constantly like, oh, I had that Chick-fil-A last week or, oh, I didn't work out or, oh, I, and it's always around food or fitness. It's always around food or fitness. That's always the, the, the thing that we blame, right? Oh, I'm fat because I eat too many carbs. Oh, I can only get smaller if I don't eat carbs. And, and we're in that cycle of blame. Like you might just have big thighs. You might just have big thighs for your whole life. Like, okay. Okay. Never not. Like, yeah. I don't know. Wow. 
We have so much to learn from you, Claire. I'm so excited with where you're going, what you're going to do, how you're going to help people transform the way that they look at their bodies in the mirror and how you feel when they wake up in the morning. This is so important when we talk about worthiness and our Mm -hmm. identity and just this seeps into everything we do in our lives as women, who we date, what we do, the careers we choose, how we treat people, our insecurities, our confidence. It has everything to do with everything boils down to the way we see ourselves when we look in the mirror. Yeah. hundred percent. So you're doing some really great things. So tell everybody where they can chat with you, have community with you, where they can stalk with you, some of the great things you're doing. So, okay. So I'm on Instagram at Claire Hamill and I am relaunching Thanks to you, Jessica, (laughs) relaunching my podcast called The Curry Collective. Season one is up there. You can listen, but season two coming is going to be off the chains. Cannot wait. We launched April 1st. And in the meantime, there's a link in my Instagram bio for my Facebook group called The Curry Collective. We're doing a lot of work in there. And it's kind of just like this, actually, where I come on and we talk about this or other women are talking about it. So we're building a a pretty amazing community in there. And then my website is just clairehamill.com. And I've got stuff coming there too. Lots of good things. She has so many good things. She's having these open, honest conversations. And I think the start of this is open, honest conversations and building community around this. Like you said, a thousand times in this episode, one of the beginning things that you did was change the way you looked at other people. You changed your social media feed and you need to change the people that you're talking to. I mean, we have our sorry, Megan and I have a sorry, I'm not sorry mastermind going on right now with 20 women. I think every day someone says, I'm so thankful for this community. It lights a fire under my ass. It makes me feel like I have support I've never had. I am changing my life because of the support that I have. Support with women is critical. You've probably spent 30 something years of your life not feeling supported, not feeling wanted, feeling rejected, feeling like you are alone on a journey with your body image and the way you look at yourself in the mirror that you are on the fucking struggle bus. Mm -hmm. You need to join and become part of a group of women that feel exactly the way you do. So you guys can like come together and figure out how to support one another. This is literally critical. Yeah, I'm convinced. I am convinced. I say this all the time. I'm convinced that if women can do this, if women can come together and start supporting themselves and listening to each other's stories, the entire world will shift. And I say that, I get goosebumps every time I say it, but I do not say it lightly. Like, that's not just a cliche. I really believe that the world could change if women could figure out how to come together. 100%. Yay! I love it. I love what you're doing. You keep standing in your greatness. This is everything you're supposed to be doing and more. And I can't wait to hear and see more of you guys. Go follow Claire Hamill. Go listen to the Curvy Collective podcast relaunching April 1st. And Claire, thank you so much for being open, honest, real, and vulnerable AF on the Stranded Podcast. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.